Hello and welcome back to another episode of the It's a Crime O'Clock Somewhere podcast. This is episode 80. Today I'll be talking about the murder of Allie Castile. My sources for today's episode are 48 Hours, Season 34, Episode 28, titled What Allie Castile Didn't Know, CBS News, People.com, NewYorkPost.com, OxfordEagle.com, and KMOV.com. And as usual, all of my sources will be linked in today's show notes. Today's case takes place in Oxford, Mississippi. Alexandria Alley Castile was from St. Louis, Missouri, but had dreamed of attending the University of Mississippi or Ole Miss for a long time. She was bubbly and was always smiling. Allie had always wanted to live the college life and attend a school that was well-known and had good athletics. It was fairly late at night. She was going out to the bar. It wasn't weird for her to like go out on her own and meet up with other people in the square where all the bars are. She takes an Uber and uh, she goes home alone. As you heard, Allie had gone out on Friday, July 19th, 2019. And on July 20th, a deputy had been out patrolling an area away from campus about 30 miles when he saw the body of a white female. A purse was located in a ditch, and inside the purse was Allie's old Miss ID card and driver's license. came to the door, and uh, they told us. What did they tell you? There had been a homicide, and that she was the victim. Allie had been shot multiple times. The police went to search Allie's off-campus apartment, and inside they found her Apple Watch, and some of her text messages had been synced to the watch. Allie was found about 30 miles away from campus. A few days before Allie was killed, her parents had visited her off-campus apartment. She wanted her parents to stay an extra day, but her parents returned to St. Louis. Allie and her mom just spoke a few hours before her death. It was like seven o'clock at night. She had just woken up from a nap because she had a test actually on that day. I said, what are you gonna do tonight? She said, I'm gonna go out with some friends. Allie began school at Ole Miss in the fall of 2016. She was majoring in marketing of business and wanted to go into fashion. Allie was hoping to find a Southern boy. She also liked to rearrange her furniture and redecorate. And Allie loved sunsets and even had an Instagram account called Sunsets by Allie. Allie also didn't really date according to her friends, but she did have boys that she had crushes on, but nothing was serious. Cindy, Allie's mom, said Allie had told her that she had met a boy during her freshman year, and she said he was from Texas. His name was Brandon Thiesfeld from Fort Worth. Allie was very excited about him and took him as her date to most of the sorority parties she attended. Thought she found a guy that was cute, that she was starting to like. One of Allie's best friends, Maddie, said she never met Brandon. He never came around to want her to meet her friends, which hurt Allie. Maddie said she felt that something wasn't right, but Allie still seemed to be happy. So anyways, back to Allie's Apple Watch messages showed that she was having a very lengthy conversation with Brandon in the hours before she went missing. In one message, he wrote, quote, are you going to be home today because I could visit, end quote. The police wanted to talk to Brandon. The police contacted him late Saturday night and asked him to and asked him to speak with them. Brandon just made excuses for why he couldn't meet. The police also tried to track Allie's phone, and it had last pinged in Oxford before it died. Brandon eventually said he'd be at the station at 8.30 a.m. on Monday morning. He never showed up. 
The police and district attorney made the decision to track his phone, and his phone showed that he was headed for Memphis, Tennessee, and was probably headed back home to Texas. An affidavit for an arrest for murder was created, and an APB was put out for Brandon in his car. He was found at a gas station a few hours later in Memphis. He was sitting at a gas pump in his truck, and his custom license plate stuck out. It said, take it. The Tennessee police notified the Mississippi police what they found in Brandon's truck. He had a forty caliber, which, were the, which was the same caliber as Allie's crime scene, and he had blood on his clothing as well. He was extradited back to Mississippi. The police learned that Brandon had been all over Oxford on the weekend that Allie disappeared, and on Saturday he went out with some friends. On Sunday, Brandon went to a friend's house. The friend said Brandon had carried a gun into his house, and he even loaded it and brought in a six-pack of beer. The friend said Brandon stayed at his house but was gone the next morning when he woke up. According to Brandon's lawyer, Tony Ferris, Brandon grew up in a good Christian family. Brandon met Allie soon after they started school. They met at a bar and dated casually. But it seemed like Allie may have been more into Brandon. Brandon had even blocked Allie from his phone at one point because she texted him a lot when she was out drinking. By their junior year, they rekindled things. In August 2019, the case was presented to a grand jury. The evidence included pictures of the 40 caliber gun and shell casings found at the scene. The police also had found a letter in Brandon's apartment, and it was apparently a confession letter to his mom and dad. He wrote that he always had terrible thoughts and that he was either going to die or go to prison. He also said he knew he was going to get caught. He never wrote that he killed Allie, and his lawyer, Tony, believes it was more of a suicide note. He writes a uh, goodbye note to his family, tells them that he loves them, uh, apologizes for what he's done. I am told by Brandon that uh, he has the gun to his head and then passes out. Brandon Thiesfeld was indicted for capital murder, and he was facing the death penalty for kidnapping Allie and murdering her. In September 2019, Brandon pled not guilty. It did seem like many people had different views of the relationship. Allie's friend said that he would tell her that he wasn't good enough for her, which is why they never were a couple. He was manipulative, and Allie would show her friends text messages of Brandon saying rude or mean things. Allie didn't talk to her family about Brandon either, which was unusual because she told her parents everything. In April 2019, three months before her death, Allie was getting ready to take her finals, but she also learned that she could be pregnant. On April 14th, she texted Brandon a picture of an inconclusive pregnancy test. Brandon texted her back that if she was pregnant, they were not keeping the baby, and he wrote that it would ruin his life. Brandon would also tell Allie that they would meet to talk, but then he'd never show up. Brandon had made many Google searches, one included, mother wants a kid, father does not. Brandon also texted with Allie about an abortion, which according to his lawyer, he regrets. Allie texted Brandon some lengthy and almost one-sided conversations over the next few months. Brandon would almost never respond or type short answers. On Monday, April 15th, 2019, Allie told Brandon that she lived it up and was drunk 24-7. Allie then asked him to meet in person, and Brandon responded almost nine hours later and said they could maybe meet up the following day. Brandon's lawyer, Tony, believes that Allie was making up the pregnancy because she wanted a serious relationship with him. Brandon's phone gave the police a digital map of his movements before Allie died. On July 12th, Brandon went home to Fort Worth. Allie texted him two more pictures of home pregnancy tests. Brandon then posted a picture on Snapchat of his 40 caliber gun with the caption, finally taking my baby back to Oxford. 
Brandon also searched many things on Google, including black morph suit, military string used to choke, and domestic and strangulation murders. He also searched on how to get away with murder, concealing murders, and he also Googled how Ted Bundy learned victims. Brandon's lawyer said that Brandon took his gun because it was typical for people to have guns in the area. The prosecution said Brandon had a plan but never really knew how to go fire a gun. On Thursday, July 18th, 2019, just before 2 a.m., Allie texted Brandon a picture of her stomach. The next day, Allie, the day before Allie's death, Brandon said he could come visit her. Two hours later, Allie texted him another picture and claimed to still believe she was pregnant. Brandon asked Allie to text him when she got back from going out and asked if her house was private that night. On the day she died, Allie was seen leaving a bar in Oxford Square just before midnight. Around 1.30 a.m., Allie and Brandon drove to Sardis Lake, where she was later found. There is now a makeshift memorial there for her. On the bench in, at the lake, there was a can of white claw on the picnic table and shell casings. The ballistics suggested that Brandon and Allie were sitting across from each other when he shot her. The shots weren't fired in the same direction, and Brandon had gotten up and circled around Allie. One round had e even hit the table. Brandon had been to the lake before during his freshman year and was familiar with the area. According to Brandon, he had been drinking all day, and he said he had taken some cocaine. He and Allie were together drinking and listening to music, and he did admit to grabbing his gun and shooting into the lake and shooting Allie. Allie was shot at least nine times. Brandon said it wasn't planned, and his lawyer said he killed Allie because he was under the influence of cocaine and alcohol. The prosecution said they had no doubt that it was premeditated. They also said Brandon had kidnapped Allie, but Brandon's lawyer said Allie had gotten into the truck willingly. On August 27, 2021, Brandon pled guilty to first-degree murder, and he was sentenced to life in prison. Brandon only showed emotion at his sentencing and broke down in tears. Brandon has never admitted to why he killed Allie, and his lawyer still believes he was impaired and made a bad decision. Brandon said he doubted that Allie was pregnant. Allie's autopsy revealed that she wasn't pregnant. Allie told Brandon in text messages that she had been bleeding and thought something was wrong, and it's believed she could have had a miscarriage. Her family and friends believe she could have been pregnant, but weren't sure. Allie seemed to be in love with Brandon and thought he would never hurt her. Brandon was being spoken to by the police. I still had no single thought that it could be him. Now, after two years and knowing more of the details of their relationship, I'm heartbroken for every person this impacts and crushed that our son did not share with us any of the turmoil he was trying to manage. I encourage every parent to regularly sit down with their children, teenagers, young adults, and discuss with them that there will never be anything too big, too complicated, too out of control that they cannot tell you about. Those words that you heard were from Brandon's family, and they chose not to participate in this episode. We see a sunset or a pink sunset. We're like, that's Allie. And we just try to live for her and bring her light into the world. I'd love to know what you think. Do you think Allie actually thought she was pregnant? Do you think Brandon started to plan to kill her as soon as she thought she was pregnant? I do actually think Allie thought she was pregnant. Maybe she did have a miscarriage. And I think Brandon didn't want anything to do with her anymore. My book recommendation for this week is Ties That Kill by A.M. Saint. Six perfect people, many damning secrets, a death that could expose them all. Successful entrepreneur Sonia Patel returns to London to attend her sister's wedding with a secret agenda. 
Gia Mehta, a family friend and Indian heiress who committed suicide at her wedding, sent Sonia a strange text that could lead to her potential murder. Thrown into the glamorous world she left behind, Sonia comes face to face with her estranged mother. Miss Patel doesn't like to talk about the past or reveal what she knows of Gia's death. Aliyah Patel, confident, poised, and ruthless, is seemingly the perfect daughter and girlfriend, and she'll go by any lengths to protect what is hers. Aliyah's fiancé, Veer, is the ideal gentleman, kind, understanding, and intelligent, with a few skeletons in his closet. He'll do anything to make sure they stay in the closet. Their family friend, the shy Rebecca, covets what isn't hers, and her desire could destroy them all. And Harry, the wedding planner, hides his shady past behind a perfectly tailored suit. He knows all their secrets and isn't above using them. As she delves deeper into the mystery of Gia's death, lies begin to unravel and complicate Complicated family dynamics emerge, layered with toxic friendships and secret relationships. They're all hiding something, but who was desperate enough to kill Gia? I really like the characters. You think you know someone, but it's the quiet ones that really surprise you. It's clear everyone had secrets, some keeping their secrets, some keeping other secrets, or both. I was able to finish this book in just a few days. I give it an 8 out of 10. I'd love to know what you think about this episode. Please subscribe to my blog. Follow me on Instagram at It's Crime O'Clock Somewhere blog pod. Follow me on Twitter at It's Crime O'Clock. Email me at It's Crime O'Clock Somewhere at gmail.com. Buy me a coffee and leave me a five-star rating and review. I'll be back next week with an all-new case and book recommendation. And remember, it's Crime O'Clock Somewhere.